From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, hey, out there in Radio Land, it is I here in Studio A in Podcast Village. Uh, a lonely studio, eh, as I am solo on this round in uh, Podcast Village. In the studio I am, but behind the glass, as always, looking omnipotent and ever-benevolent, is Charlie Bernie working the boards today for oh, Rod the Engineer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank I, you, I, I did say you were benevolent. <laughs> uh, I think uh, we've also got uh, Mandy the Engineer back there as well. And she's around. Yep. She's around somewhere. And uh, on the phone, as always, he's from a undisclosed location in the Bay State of Massachusetts. He is the author of such great books as American Politics on the Rocks. He is Rich Rubino. Hello, Richard. Hello, Justin. And uh, it is, you know, the thing about it is you come to Washington and you think, wow, it, everything's so efficient, everything's so effective, and it's constant hustle and bustle. This uh, that's not what's happening in Washington this week. You know, between the articles of impeachment being passed through, uh, there's um, we record this. Uh, we record two podcasts uh, for the week on a Tuesday afternoon here in Washington D.C. And uh, there's just all kinds of craziness that's just happened just on today's news cycle, uh, which includes the FBI. Uh, the inspector general for the Department of Justice issued a uh, report about the FBI's use of the FISA warrants in regards to investigating the the Trump campaign, use of wiretaps, et cetera. Uh, there was also, uh, you know, there was also a press statement put out by the U.S. attorney for Connecticut, uh, and and his statement has gotten a lot of attention. Um, and then uh, FBI Director Ray came on the scene also on this Tuesday afternoon and basically is getting called out by the Attorney General Barr, by President Trump on Twitter. It's a bizarre situation, but I want to do this segment. By the way, we're, we're, we're going to have um, we're going to have a couple of folks from uh the uh, Kurdish uh, Kamala party in Kurdish Iran. We're going to talk about the situation in Iran here in the second segment of, the, of this podcast. But I want to talk a little bit about the the situation with the FBI and DOJ and and and, and Bill Barr, the Attorney General. Um, you know, Rich, I, I got to tell you, I am I am slightly concerned at the. The actions, the voice, the tone that's coming out of the Robert F. Kennedy building downtown Washington, D.C., which is Department of Justice headquarters. Uh, this is the first time where I've had concerns that the attorney general isn't really the attorney general of the United States, but more so uh, a hyped up inside counsel for the White House. Uh, I mean, am I over-evaluating that, or am I, am I the only one thinking that, Rich? No, I think a lot of people are thinking that. I think when Trump chose him in the first place, a lot of people are saying, wow, he's actually choosing someone from the political establishment, someone who did the same job under George H.W. Bush. 
And that's why, it's, you know, it's kind of it's very similar to happened with Lindsey Graham. You know, as soon as Trump, you know, when Lindsey Graham was very critical of Donald Trump, he'd always been kind of a maverick. Then Donald Trump gets elected president. All of a sudden, Lindsey Graham becomes a tribune of Donald Trump. It's very similar with Mr. Barr. And it's just it's kind of it's perplexing because that had not been his reputation. He was not a quote unquote Trump Republican. He was always an establishment Republican. Now, for some reason, he's become an advocate for the Trump, for the for Donald Trump, and for the Trump presidency. And in many respects, it just makes no sense. And I think a lot of people are saying, you know, is there more to the story here? And he, and here's where I see an identity crisis for Republicans like me, Rich, is you know, the the Bill Barr reputation that I've always known, especially here in Washington. And in talking to those who have worked for both Bush administrations, both 41 and 43, is that Bill Barr was always seen as a a, a true Boy Scout, a true scholar of the Constitution, of constitutional law, a a true bastion of, uh, you know, I represent as attorney general is my job to represent the United States, the people of the United States and be the highest law enforcement officer in the land where that over the past two or year and a half or or year since uh the attorney general has taken office replacing jeff sessions it 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 it, 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 we're not seeing that bill bar that we know of old it's again as you put it it's almost you know what's the inside story here rich yeah, that's what I mean. I've certainly been wondering. I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit perplexed when he took the job in the first place. I mean, I thought that he was pretty much in retirement or private practice, and then I thought maybe he was taking it because he thought some sort of a sense of responsibility, or maybe because, um, like General Kelly, he thought that maybe he'd get the he could get the president to become more establishment oriented, or maybe he could change his mind on certain legal issues. Instead, he's become essentially an advocate. You know, it's interesting. The Attorney General. I think you can say the same thing for an issue for the White House Counsel, for example. Um, the White House Counsel's job, you know, is t- technically it's not necessarily to work for the president, but often when it becomes an issue with the president, whether it's executive privilege or something to do with the presidential powers, usually they're advocates for the president. Yeah, but the, the, but the White House Counsel, in, the White yeah. House Counsel represents the executive branch office. It represents the Oval Office. Not the individual. It's the occupant right, residing right. in the Oval Office. But still, there is a sort of, I have to protect that individual quality to White House counsel. Uh, it's, yeah, to, yeah, it's common. To, I mean, it's just com- common sense that they right, would do that. But, right. But, 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 but again, that's also why the president has outside counsel, i.e. Rudy Giuliani, which is another mess we'll talk about. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, the, the thing about it is when you look at the attorney general, you have... And you you have almost an expectation that he is going to represent the country as a whole that will oversee and administer justice from the executive branch representing the United the people and the residents of the United States and what's in the best interests of the United States and the United States government, not be again kind of you know hyped up inside counsel. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I go back to, for example, Janet Reno. I know that he was the third choice of Bill Clinton, basically. Um, they never actually really met. And when, when Janet Reno came in, she kept on appointing independent counsels for different um, scandals or pseudo scandals. And I know that eventually you had Orrin Hatch. You had a situation where Orrin Hatch and the Judiciary Committee was praising her. And you had a lot of Democrats criticizing her. But actually, the last, the last person I can think of who I would say that's probably 
really similitude to is probably John Mitchell. I mean, John Mitchell was uh, Richard Nixon's attorney general, and he had been his campaign manager in 1968. Um, so obviously, when he gets in there, there's some expectation. You would think that you know, there's probably he's probably going to be an advocate for the president, and he proved that. And eventually, he landed up um, he landed up being being convicted and going to jail for for actions that he had done involving Watergate while he was actually in office. But you know, so this isn't unprecedented. And obviously, if you're a member of a presidential cabinet, chances are you're going to be advocating for that president. But I don't. I just I never I never really understood where the loyalty. For Mr. Barr is toward Donald Trump because I never really thought they had necessarily this huge, this great relationship in the past. That's where, that's where it's just like with Lindsey Graham, with Ted, Ted Cruz, um, with Marco Rubio, others who have been very critical of Donald Trump. As soon as Trump gets elected, they become, you know, they become his most vociferous advocates and tribunes. And in Barr's case, it's the same thing. But as I say, he wasn't somebody who really was an advocate for Donald Trump. He was an establishment guy. Right. And I'm, I'm hearing somebody in a crossfire hurricane. I'm assuming, is that Dan Lipner I'm hearing in the crossfire hurricane? It is. Yeah, we got a lot of back. We got a lot of wind noise coming from that, Dan. But uh, thank you for joining us. He is the former Democratic political operative and Joe Biden political staffer as well as a bar certified attorney in the great state of Maryland, District of Columbia, Dan Lintner Esquire. Dan, you know, we've been talking about uh, the the FBI report that came out from the Inspector General and the pushback it got from Bill Barr. Uh, we're also talking about the, you know, the the weird, uh, the weird press statement that came out by the U.S. Attorney in Connecticut who's over, who's also looking into this whole Russia meddling investigation at the request of Attorney General Barr. You know, we, we've been, uh, Rich Rubino and I have been talking about the fact that we've been concerned, or I, I, I get concerned that, you know, this is the Bill Barr I remember from the Bush administration is a Attorney General who was very straightforward, very constitutionally focused, took the response he was a boy scout basically and 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 actually was you know not grandstanding he was never one for grabbing the spotlight and 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 effectively served as the attorney general of the united states that's not the the attorney general bar that we see today which looks almost like a hyped up white inside white house counsel right now uh, are we being overcritical of Attorney General Barr? No, I don't think you're being critical enough of Attorney General Barr. Why? Because, uh, well, I mean, the real takeaway is whether or not, and Barr carrying the water for Donald Trump on this nonsense um, that is being put forward after his own inspector general said it's nonsense, um, a, whether or not that inspector general keeps his job, I'm going to guess the answer is not going to is going to be no. And the other question is, considering it's also in the news, the FBI director who's been pushing back uh, on the nonsense, well, director- including that Ukraine was involved with. I suspect he's going to be fired soon. Well, you know, so- that, but that's but that's the that's the problem here, though. But I mean, you know, Attorney General Barr. Uh, has done, you know, did an interview with uh, NBC News, and in that interview, he was asked, "Well, wait a minute, why are you pushing back on the Inspector General's report?" The Attorney General, Bill Barr, comes back and says, "Well, as Inspector General, he didn't have access to 
all of the information. Uh, he wasn't privy to some of the stuff that might have come from the intelligence community, for example. Uh, in, in my now that, that that that's crap. That that's so, what that's what my feeling was, but at the not s- to mention consider considering the president had bestowed the attorney general with access to absolutely everything, and as I understood th- that 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 gift of everything also meant that gift of everything meant the attorney general could pass that power down to any amongst of his underlings as he chose. So if the IG didn't have it, that was Barr's fault. Well, I, I mean, but but again, I, I, I guess where I get confused is, you know, because I actually thought about this today. I saw, uh, I, I saw the NBC it, interview, and I was thinking about it as I was as I was rewatching it. I thought to myself, wait a minute. If Bill Barr was the attorney general and did this for Jeb Bush, would I be as critical? Am I, and this is just the question I'm asking myself is, am I asking the question, I'm asking the question right now, am I being too critical of Bill Barr because of who appointed him as attorney general? Would I be having these same comments if he was working for Chris Christie? Well, I mean, that's the, if that's the case, then I would question your own sincerity in, in how you view things politically. Um, in actuality, the attorney general is supposed to be at least marginally above politics. Um, the big three that are supposed to be above politics are the attorney general, the secretary of state, and the secretary of the treasury. And we've supposedly elevated Homeland Security to that same level, but... As a matter of practice, those big three are supposed to be above political nonsense. Bob Barr has clearly not read that memo or his own tinfoil hat uh, fashioned by the, the Trump the Trumpies um, must be blocking out the information that he, he used to know. So I, I guess the question that comes up is when we look at the when we look at this whole thing going forward with the impeachment, the Russia, the Ukraine. Uh, my biggest concern is, does all of this and and the interjection of the, or the injection rather, of the attorney general into these reports, are we experiencing a situation where we are undermining the credibility and the authority of the Federal Bureau of Investigation? From inside yes. its own Department of Justice. Rich Rubino, do you agree? Yes. yes, I think so, yes. How dangerous is that, Rich? Um, I think it is. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I don't know how you'd put it on a level from 1 to 10, but I mean, it's definitely, it's dangerous. But, you know, I mean, it's also something, I mean, it's, I don't think it's necessarily the most dangerous scandal in American history, but it's certainly, you know, it's definitely, um, it's definitely perilous. And I just find it, I just find this case of William, William Barr fascinating if somebody, 20 years, looks down the road, and looks at his career, where he came from, how he became, was part of the, again, I guess keep going back to the fact, but he was such a part of the establishment, what it was that attracted him to Donald Trump and why he was willing to essentially sell his soul for this president. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a um, cynical person, you'd say, in a sense, what is he getting out of it? But I really don't think, certainly nothing financial. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fathom this. It's really, it's really perplexing. You agree with that, Dan? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is everything that we have known and continue to know it is still the same. And there is not one iota of evidence that suggests otherwise. I mean, even for all the impeachment hearings and everything that's been going on, there is nothing to have, pre- to have prevented the White House from completely independently publishing its own narrative of what's been going on. Uh, it could have done it on its own. It has chosen not to, in part because that narrative keeps changing. And each time it changes and has been disproven, they have to sidestep it and keep moving forward. And the Trump administration's approach to communications has simply been to put as much nonsense in the air so normal people who don't have time to pay attention to all of it can only assume that, well, this is all out there, so obviously somebody's wrong, which is the American bias as it is, and they're trying to exploit that. And it's tragic since there are real issues and substantive problems out there. I mean, it can go all the way back to the hurricane that never was going to hit Alabama and Louisiana. I mean, <laughs> it's still it, recovering. I, I didn't. I didn't think you could tie that. I didn't think you could tie those two no, in. I, it, it, it is all essentially the same. It is a post-fact world that the administration is trying to capitalize on, and by putting all the nonsense and noise out there, there is apparently thirty percent of the public that will buy anything this president puts out on the airwaves. And that's unfortunate. Wow. Okay. Uh, We're going to, this is obviously a story. I mean, we're going to see how we do with uh, FBI Director Ray. Does he stick around? Does the Attorney General, I mean, does the Inspector General at DOJ stick around? Uh, This is a fluid situation. We're going to keep an eye on it, and we'll probably be talking about this next week. But, uh, when we come, when we come back, we're going to go a little international. We're going to be talking about the situation in uh, Kurdish Syria, Kurdish Iran, Kurdish Iraq, uh, as well as talking about uh, the situation in Iran itself and uh, the current crackdowns that are going on. Uh, this is Backroom Politics. Stay with us.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we're back. And uh, we've we've talked about the situation going on in uh, the Kurdish regions of the Middle East, whether it was uh, Kurdish, uh, whether it was Kurdish Iran, Kurdish Iraq, Kurdish Syria. Uh, we've been uh, very much uh, looking at those situations. And and now recent, there's been some uh, tension rising in Tehran and in Iran. Uh, political protests have been going on. There's, there's a lot of uh, questions and, and, and a lot of situations unfolding, particularly when it comes to the situation of President Trump's announcement of withdrawing troops from the region. Uh, with that being said, uh, joining us right now is the Secretary General of the uh, Kamala Party of Iran. He is uh, Mr. Secretary General Omar Ihaidad. Uh, Mr. Secretary General, thank you for joining us on Backroom Politics. Hello. Yes. Uh, Yes, we're we're. Waiting. My name is Omar. My name is Omar Elhanizada, the Secretary General of Kamala Party of Kurdistan. Mr. Secretary General, thank you for joining us on Backroom Politics. Sabarat ba masalei Kurdistan min betwanam chanshad bilam yakam awaya ka Kurd. I think we're having, I think we're having some translation uh, issues yes. here. 
كانك رايحين هلا هي مين ذا كورد هاز امبورتنت رول اون ذا ريجن اند سبيشالي ذا كوردز ان ايران ان سوريا اند ذا كوردز ان ايران كان هاف ذا سيم رول اون ذا ريجن اند بي يو اس بارتنر اند يو اس اولاي يس مستر سكرتري جنرال اي هاف ا كويشن فور يو Yes. If with the important role that uh, the Kurdish people play in the region, how important of a role does the Kurdish in Iran play in stabilizing and creating a stable region in that area? Okay. Uh, موسیقی The Iranian Kurds uh, have a, a strong and very important role in the region and in Iran. The Iranian Kurds, they have an open alternative. They are secular, they are democrat, and at least 14 years fighting against Iranian regime. fighting against the radicalism islam and they have a open agenda for for iran and they are for fighting for kurdish rights as well and they are very very effective on iranian opposition and uh, the Kurd- the kurds of iran the political parties of iranian kurdistan can be a key and center to mobilize and for united Iranian opposition as well. Mr. Secretary General, how important is having U.S. forces supporting not just Kurdish Iranians and Kurdish in the region, but uh, the Kurds in Syria and the Kurds in in Iraq as well? دولتی جدی هیچ پشتیبانی آمریکا زور گرینگا که اوجی به کردستانی ایران مربوط داده اما نمانده که هیچی آمریکایی پشتیبانی من دیپکا اما دمانه پشتیبانی لقصه و دویت پشتیبانی کردهایی ل کردستانی ایران و پشتمان بگرند به همو بارک که بری هیچو شکانی زموری اسلامی بوستر کردستان و هزه کردکان بجیره و لهمان کد پیواندی و دوستایتی لگل کرد و لگل بزرزنوی کرد هبه لیراندا I believe the United States of America should build the trustly and strong friendship with the Kurds in the region and especially with the Kurds in Iran we wanted to see United States be able to support the Kurds on the region because the Kurds are key on the region. They have a very important role 
and the, the, our trust and loyalty ally to United States in Iraqi Kurdistan and in Syria. But we wanted to see practically what can the U.S. do that. And not only by statesmen and by words and speech. We want to practically be able to help us to fight Iranian regime and minimize the Iranian influence in the region as well. Does Mr. Secretary General, does the current tension in Iran, does the current political unrest in Tehran and throughout Iran going on right now, does that does that give the U the United States an indication that uh, your fight for democracy and your fight against uh, a truly overt Islamic state, such as the current Iranian government, uh, is this helpful to your cause, the current political uprisings? Uh, راستی اویه که حکومتی چی دیکتاتوری توتالیتر ببه راوستان کشتر لخلق دکه و نتوانه خلقی بردستی خالیه و لبرابره و رژیم داره بوسته اما اگدارین و ایوش دزنن که هر لسوریا اوان به هاوکاری حکومتی سوریه و روسیه زیادترین لپینسات هزار کسیان کشت یعنی نشان داده او حکومت قدرتی کشتره چی یک جر زوری هیا و تنیا به گماروی عبوری و اوانش نارو خیول بین نشه and we of the Kurds in Iran really appreciated supporting from the West in Europe and United States of America but practically the, the regime of Iran is very very active on the region and for example, the Iranian regime helped the Syrian regime, Assad regime, to killing more than half a million over there. The regime of Tehran, the Ayatollah, don't afraid to killing and to vacuum civilian and peacefully demonstration. And they should, the demonstrator, the people of Iran, the opposition of Iran should be supported by the West. If you look at for stability in the region, if you look at for democracy and some regime so respect west values as democracy human rights women rights as well it is the us i want i want to continue to answer you okay. about your uh, question yes regime iran had a regime ka hezi afghanistan yu panabar bazor denere le suriye bashari andada beneri lashkiri fatimiyun u zainabiyun ولا همان كذا هي كس لا حماس وحشتي شعبي وحزب الله لبنان وديني لا برامبر خلشي نارازي ايران دا قراريان بدا بوهي بلا ايما دتوانين لدروش هيز بينين بوصر كتير خلق وها رجيمك تبعيه كزور با جنايات كارية وها uh, but I'm better, 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 but
the Iranian regime mobilized some Afghanian people and sent them uh, to Syria to killing people to help Assad regime over there. And at same time involved as a member of Hezbollah and terrorist group as Shia militia in Iraq to killing a demonstrator and uh, to shooting uh, and shelling the people of Iran so they have a, a right, right for demonstration, peacefully demonstration. And these regimes don't afraid to killing civilian and people. And because we believe that is important, Iranian opposition, Iranian democratic opposition, including the Kurds, uh, be support for the West and especially for the United States of America. Mr. United States of America. Mr. Secretary General, does an American military presence help prevent further violence against the Kurdish people in Iran? هبوني هذه أمريكا لنا وشكاني كردي حتى استش بشتوان بوا بوا اوه زور داران و هذا كونا پرستو تروريستا كان نتوانم بيانا پيش آسائيا كاما يارمتي دكا لسوريا هر يارمتي كردوا لعراق هر يارمتي كردي كردوا بلام اوه كا استاك گرينگا لإيران نردني هزنيا بلكا پيواندي جدي گرتنا لقل اپوزيسيوني كردي كمن پيموايا كليلا بو اوهي لقل اپوزيسيوني ايرانيش اپوزيسيوني الترناتيو دوستي گرفتي ايران اوهيا كا حتا استا الترناتيو چو بهزي سراسريميا اما وك كرد خوازياري اوهين كا بتوانين يارمتي دربين كا اپوزيسيوني سيكولار و دموکراتی ایرانی بتوانه خوری بگیره ولی برابر اورژیم داره راسته. پیموایا ولاته گرتوکانی آمریکا دتوانه لوبا دوری چی جوره ببینه با پشتیوانی کرد و با یک گرتویی و جورک همگرایی لی اپوزیشنی ایرانی. When we looking U.S. forces, U.S. troops on the region. This is very, very important because this is reason to stop fundamentalism of Islamic and terrorist group like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. This is important. U.S. be there and stay over there. And we, we see it and look at what happened in Iraq, what happened in Syria. And the U.S. Uh, has a, had the main role to defeat terrorism with the ally of the Kurds. And at this time, we don't want it to U.S send the forces and troops to Iran to fight against Iranian regime. We look at and we requested for U.S. support, support the opposition of Iran, the Democrat opposition, like the Kurds and others, that they united them, that support them, and we can be alternatives to regime change in Iran. Mr. Secretary General, can, can there be stability in the region without U.S. forces in the region itself, or is U.S. military presence a requirement for creating stability in the region? Uh, 
لسوریه به سباتی درست که ناسخمجیری درست که و هزی ملیشیای تایبت بخوی درست که آسایی ام پیمانوایه لبرابر اوانده هزی امریکایی ببه و او به خازان جا بلام ده همان کتا ده به بلام که ده به گشارکان زور بکره که ایران لعراق لسوریه للبنان و لیمن حالی پیو بندریو در بکره او ده چوانی کومجی چی زور بکه لهمان کتا ارستان بکم که من پیموهای نوچه کتوشی آلوزی گوره ده به و ایران نه هیچ پرست نه هیچ پرست یک لدز نده و اوی بدجی خلق کرد که و با اوی بدجی امریکا کرد که اوی سیاستی سی سی پینسالی کمپری اسلامی ایرانه و حق و علم بابتوه امریکا و هزا کانی غربی کاری چی جیتر دست پیب کن و حضور و بونیان لمنطقه بونمونه بو هزی میلیشیای پیش مرگا تقوید ناکره لکردستانی ایران و لهمو منطقه که من پیمو ایو کمک دکم I wanted to be honest with you Iranian regime mobilized terrorist groups as Shia militia in Iraq Hachul Shaabi Hezbollah in Lebanon Hosi in Yemen and many many terrorist groups in Syria strongly support them give them training equipment to fight a democracy side and strongly 40 years against Iran, uh, the U.S. benefits on the region. This is reality of the region. At this time, this is very, very normal and acceptable. U.S. forces and U.S. allies stay over there. And we need U.S. Army, U.S. troops be there to push back Iranian Implants, but for this reason, should support again Iranian Kurdish opposition, democratic opposition of Iran to push back and minimize Iranian influence on the region. Mr. Secretary General, though I, I I apologize up front. I have to ask a difficult question. So again, uh, please forgive me, but. The American people have have watched American mili- military forces serve in the region, whether in Afghanistan or in Iraq, since 2001-2002. Uh, President Trump has stated that he wants to remove the American forces from the region and not continue a endless war, in the words of President Trump. Uh, what What is the message that your party and the Kurdish-Iranian uh, region can tell the Americans that would offset or counter the message that we're hearing from the White House and and the American government. من پیام نخستانی پیشون دادم اما لو باور دارم که با ایران و با کردستانی ایران 
لازم نیه سربازی امریکایی بنرده و خوینی لایی امریکایی برجه بلکو پشتیوانیه چی اکتیو چالاکانه لبزوتنوی دموکراسی خوازی لایران و بتایبت لبزوتنوی کرد بکره او یارمتی داره بلام زور بجدیش دتوانم او بلام من هستی او دایکو بابا امریکایانه درگ دکم که اوان آزار ده بینن دوی من دالکانیان لدوره وقت توشی چشه بیا بلان بدلنیایی و اگر سربازی امریکایی لعراق و سوریه و نبوایان و آسایش نگرته و تروریزم و داعش قدرتیان گرتبایا لنیو واشنگتون و نیویورک من دالان و جوانانی امریکایی دکوشدین و بویا او تا لبینچونی داعش و ترور من پیموایا وجود و حضوری امریکا ضروریه بلام دتوانه هست کم کاتوا و سپورتی جدی تری مثلا هزکانی کردی و هزه دیموکراتکان لعراق و سوریه بکا بو ایرانیش لکردستانی ایرانیش هروا لوک ای اندرستان وین دی امریکین فامیلی لاس دی ممبر او دی فامیلیز Uh, as a uh, U.S. soldier in the region, this is difficult time for them, and I feel and uh, how is uh, the, the, this is very very difficult for them, and we appreciate it. Um, Scrapi for democracy, but let me be honest with you: if your troops, as America, not be in Syria, not be in Iraq, not be in region, the terrorist groups, the fundamentalism will came and killing you here in New York City and in Washington. If you wanted to defeat and push back this threat, you should be on the region first. And second, this is very, very important. You must be able to support democracy movement. Those people, those nations believe democracy and U.S. and West values. And this is very, very important. You must be able to support Kurdish movement in Iran as well and support Kurdistan's opposition, Iranian Kurds, you mean. That is reality. And we don't have any choice. We should stand stronger together to push back Iranian regime because Iranian regime strongly wants and need and try to destabilize the whole region. And we don't want it. Again, as I said, we don't want a U.S. probe will go to Iran, as U.S. did in Iraq in, Iraq in 2003. That is easy for U.S. to support democrat opposition of Iran, as the Kurds, Azeri, Baloch, Turkmenes push them to be united and help them for regime change in Iran. Very good, very good. Mr. Secretary General, uh, I thank you very much for coming on with Backroom Politics. Uh, we appreciate uh, your time, and, and we definitely appreci- appreciate your discussion with us today. Thank you for you and for your interview. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, folks, the uh, Secretary General from the Kamala Party uh, in Iranian Kurdistan uh, Dan Lipner, I mean, th- this continues to be just a messy quagmire for the White House. 
this is not an easy situation. We're seeing the tension and the uprising in, in Tehran. Uh, you know, we're hearing from, you know, Kurdish officials in, in all three regions, Iraq, Syria, and now Iran, that, you know, the, the, the death will just continue without military support. Uh, does this just promulgate the, the betrayal of allies mantra that's happening in the region, with, with, particularly with the Kurds? I mean... Especially with the Kurds. I mean, the Kurds and the Israelis are the only two democratic bodies, in essence, in the region that have shown their their own ability to govern themselves. And the the Kurds, for being in 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 Turkey, Iraq, and Iran really deserve a lot more attention for actually representing the values that the United States claims to want to advance in the rest of the world, particularly in in the Middle East. Unfortunately, U.S. policy has is a bit more complicated, and I'm and I'm not unsympathetic to the challenges that that are the messiness of foreign policy, but it would be nice. Uh, especially for the current administration, when it seems to be a gimme uh, to continue supporting the Kurds uh, in Syria and in northern Iraq, which doesn't seem to have a foreign policy downside aside from a what is essentially a a financial rounding error for for foreign aid. That's that's easy stuff, and but in this particular case. It's unclear why the administration has left them high and dry, other than the president playing footsies with Erdogan, who is who is advancing the exact values we don't want to uh, we don't want to enforce uh, in the region. And Rich Rubino, I mean, I, I mean, we we heard the secretary general talk about the fact that you know, look, we. You know, we want to stabilize the region. We, you know, we want democracy in uh, in in that part of of the world. And as long as there is some sort of neutralizing force, that force being the U.S. military presence, uh, the killing will continue. ISIS will go stronger, and they eventually will want to take the fight to us. Uh, how many times are they? How many times are we going to be able to screw them, as we did in ninety one through ninety three, as we did in the early two thousands, as we've done recently with certain policy decisions? Uh, are we are we risking losing all credibility in the entire region if we lose the support of the Kurds? Yeah, I mean, certainly what happened back in ninety one after the Gulf War, basically. The Americans urged the Kurds to um, rise up, to rise up against Saddam Hussein. They did, and then the United States didn't come to their aid when they did that. Um, but I will say, though, you know, it's really perplexing that of all the conflicts Donald Trump could could have chosen to take the country out of, that he chose this one, where I, my guess is that the, that a minority of the country even know what's going on there. And, it, you know, as, as you know, it certainly, as Dan said, it certainly it's a financial rounding hour era and it seems to be, it seems like there, are, there it seems like when people talk about conflicts overseas, they're thinking of Afghanistan, they're thinking of Iraq. 
very few people were necessarily thinking of the courage. That's why it's so perplexing that that was what Donald Trump decided, you know, basically after meeting with the, after meeting with, Tur- the, with the Turkish uh, prime minister, he said, this is where we're going to take our troops out. Dan Lipner, I mean, does, does the Secretary General uh, make a, a case at least for uh, reconsideration of current policy? He more than makes a case for it. The question is, if the, the current people in power, uh, meaning the Trump administration, and this is one of those occasions, I have to carve out the Trump administration from the rest of the Republican Party. Almost unanimously, the Republicans in both the House and the Senate want to continue supporting the Kurds. So this is Donald Trump's policy and seemingly Donald Trump's policy alone, because I haven't even heard a full-throated defense of it from Mike Pompeo. So uh, this of many mysteries that we try to figure out that's inside this president's head, this is one of them. And it's got to be something to do with Erdogan. It's the only thing that I can come up with. And that seems challenging at best. Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult situation. We're not going to answer it today, but uh, uh, we want to we thank the Secretary General uh, for joining us today. Uh, and that's that, that's going to wrap up our time here uh, in, in Podcast Village for this session. On behalf of... Dan Lipner, uh, Rich Rubino, uh, Charlie Bernie's been running the, the the boards for us this week. Thank you, and uh, Maddie the engineer. Also, thank you very much for uh, that really difficult transition of translators. And oh God, we got, we pulled it off. Uh, we will be back as always. Uh, you can follow us on our website backroompolitics.org. Follow us on Twitter at backroompolitics. Uh, you can download us as a podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Hey, one other shout out. Uh, it's not cheap working here at, uh, in D.C. We, uh, we have a GoFundMe page. You can find that on our Twitter and on our Facebook, and we're going to put that out on our website. But if you can spare $5, $10, $25, $50, anything helps us with production costs. We don't make money here. We just cover the bills. But we can always use your support to continue the best political podcast you've never heard of. Have a great week, America. See you.